All right, Mots, we are back. Episode 66 of the Ring Strings. We got a mailbag episode. What do you say? You ready to roll? Let's go. Mots, uh, solid weekend. We uh, had a nice game at the the Battle of Badges 2022. Uh, Boston Police Department, we took down the fire. No big deal, right? Hey, great pace. You know, a lot of emotion out there. The only thing I do need our listeners, listeners to know is that uh, the, the BFD did have a little bit of a shorter bench. Yeah, but whose fault is that? That's theirs. That's their fault. You know what I mean? If you don't... If you don't show up with enough ammo, you ain't going to win the fight. No, but it was actually an awesome event. Uh, Great job by all uh, organizing and, um, you know, raising funds for the right reasons. Um, And the game itself was really good. I mean, I thought there's some good plays being made and, um, you know, we had a good time afterwards too, just kind of recapping some of the plays and just kind of, you know, getting out there and meeting some people. So it was great. Yeah, it was good. We were able to raise over $7,000 for the O'Keefe family, which is really cool. And his niece and nephew, who, um, for people that don't know the story, he was he was killed tragically this year. But his sister, he was the caretaker for her children, who she passed away tragically due to a sickness. And her husband had also passed away. So they had, uh, you know, he had adopted those two kids and uh, which was just, you know, tells you the the character of the, of the man and unfortunately was a boston police officer that passed away so glad we could help them out a bit and uh and you know have a good decent game like you said it started off it was like oh man i haven't stopped and started in the d zone actually played defense the legs were burning at first but when we uh got into the game and got the legs going a little bit it felt a little better out there yeah snapping pucks around and like i said some good plays uh being made and you know, I was I was over on uh, your side of the uh, the bench, and a lot of chatter on the bench, a lot of positive chatter, which is great. And that's what what you always need. Yeah, and and you know, there was some guys yelling at each other. Some dudes like hit the yeah, peloton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like getting fired up <laughs> while she throws the behind the back pass in the neutral zone, and he's yelling at the guy why he doesn't catch it, and like <laughs> so. Me and uh, Chris cut off a dying laugh, and he's like, he'd be the first one to scream at anybody else. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun before and after, and some good story time and and things like that. So good stuff. How was your weekend? It was good. Yeah, it capped off with a nice little Easter uh, get together with my brother in laws, uh, my brother in law, my sister in law, and, and their kids. I got two roasts and you know cooked them two different ways. So one in an air fryer, one in the oven, and I got this cool new uh, look at you, huh? Me- meat slicer that my buddy john peterman uh gave me and i think i might be opening up a butcher shop or something soon i mean Mott's meats Mott's meats Mott's meats Mott's so meats. yeah all the fixings you know you gotta you know do all the prep work i like pickles. which one was better great question um i feel i think i think the one in the oven was better was really funny. yeah I just, I don't know. I mean, like, like Court is going to be all over me about that because she loves it. <laughs> the air fryer. But uh, the oven one was, you know, you just set it and forget it type thing. Same, same with the air fryer. But, um, yeah, no, I, I just think uh, the, the, the juices stay, uh, you know, involved and you just know what you're up against because, like, this thing's new to me. Maybe I'll, I'll get better at it and the air fryer will be a, uh, you know, kind of a go-to. 
for mm-hmm. me. But um, yeah, no, it was great. You know, just get together with some family. We watched the Masters. I mean, the um, yeah, that was the last week. No, the not the Masters. Yeah, the uh, what was it, the Hobbit Town, whatever. It was yeah, called. the one Spieth one. Yeah, it was great though. Uh, so Wilkie and I are sitting on the couch downstairs in this makeshift like little area that I, you know, put put some uh, cable uh, onto a TV and hung it up on the wall. Just kind of like you know, typical whatever you know, makeshift. Yeah, uh, and, <laughs> just typical Avon. Yeah, pretty much. And we uh, enjoyed our time down there. It was awesome. So it was a good Easter Sunday. Um, my I got my first two mows in. By the way. Oh yeah, you told me that Monday. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the so the the the, the, the lawn's feeling good. Yeah, it's it's You're feeling uh, all right about well, it. Everything's popping right now. You know, the the, the green's coming back, and um, I I had to use the push mower because the the big dog is it needs some TLC. But um, <laughs> and then I raked out this area. You know, we 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 buried a pipe to uh, the septic from the garage and. So there's some dirt. So I, I I put some loom down and raked out the rocks, and you know it was that was that was on Monday. So oh yeah, know. you got to enjoy the holiday. Yeah, it was amazing. I just love, I love how times outside. have changed. Yeah, that's good. We had a great Easter uh, Sunday here. We uh, we went over to my sister's house with her kids, which is you know they got they got twin little ones and a, a four year old. So it was just madness and kids running around and a lot of fun. Had a nice little brunch going there and then uh back to my in-laws where they do up a, a a good meal so just ate and had some drinks and sitting there farting and burping and you know what it's all about so it was it was good and then monday yeah i mean times have changed i was thinking of you monday because i was uh i was working the the marathon i was right at cleveland circle kind of in your old neck of the woods when you were running around the bc days and uh here you are down mowing your lawn instead of uh coming and taking in marathon monday yeah, I, I mean the Patriots day with uh, a Sox game wrapped around the marathon. It was nothing better, uh, but yeah, times have changed. I I, I definitely DVI'd the the Red Sox game so I could you know catch that. But um, uh, yeah, it was a great day. I was, thought was, for sure they were winning that game too. Rich Hill was on the mound, who's a Milton guy, yeah, and you know he's been around a long time, and his father, uh, who's a pretty I mean amazing person, he was. I think he ran over 30 marathons was a uh, was a korean war veteran uh, i think he's a hall of famer at brown university or princeton university he was a longtime educator in the quincy public school system and uh his wake and funeral and things like that i, I believe were this week so i i kind of just you know he was playing with his uh with this hot on his sleeve that day i really hoped they were going to pull out a victory but unfortunately they didn't yeah, I mean it's early in the season here. I we talk socks here and there, but I love the socks. It's difficult because the uh, NHL kind of playoff push is happening right now, and then you know the playoffs are the playoffs. But it's bumped back a little bit from you know n- normal uh, say scheduling from season to season. So I got to kind of like yeah, multitask here a little bit, get into the, the baseball, but. Hockey's still at the forefront on the NHL level, so it's uh, it's tough to kind of really dial in on the Sox. But they're in first place, you know, six and five. It's early, though. Yeah, it's still early. Did I tell you about my pack that I made and, and my plan for next year? What do you got? I think I'm going to run the marathon. Nice, man. That's yeah. Good. yeah. Yeah, so my brother-in-law was saying, he's like, dude, 
we were sitting there after eating and stuffing our faces and having a few beers and things like that. And he's like, next year, you're going to be 40. And he's like, you got to get a marathon in. So I said, you know what? Well, I'm still young and fairly healthy. I think it's, I think it's time to to do it. I think I got to get it in. So That's I, awesome. uh, Gotta yeah, get you on a schedule, and I gotta get on a schedule. I gotta, I gotta get, figure out when I get up, up, like buzzing around the, like so the byproduct yeah, be like of that. Forest, Forest Gump. Yeah, but the byproduct of it is you're gonna be in good shape, and you're gonna be on the ice, and you'll be buzzing around, like back checking and stuff. Well, yeah. Actually, maybe not back checking. Well, probably because <laughs> get caught up. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm. Uh, my wife's got one under her belt, and so I was talking to her about it. Joanna's like, you know, it's it, it's tough. And I remember the year she trained um, was like, I think it was 2013. It was the worst winter that we possibly had. And then even the conditions that that she ran in that that marathon Monday were awful. Like it was like rain, snow, sleet. Uh, but then you have a beautiful day like we had here in Boston Monday. It was a little windy, but I think it was like ideal winning uh, running conditions uh for for those guys so i think it's it's something that you know it's kind of been on the bucket list and it's like it's time for me to step up and do it you know what i mean at least i can you know in another 50 years i can say yeah i knocked out a marathon well it gives me and the family an excuse to come in on marathon monday so yeah well so you're gonna have to take care of your yard work a day before (laughs) (laughs) but yeah we'll see we'll 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 see We'll see what uh, what happens. I don't know about being all ripped up though. That's probably not in the cards. You got to yeah. stockpile some some you know little gut on myself to that'll help me get through. I, I hear the dad bot is uh, is in. So it is yeah. absolutely. So you, absolutely. you can't you can't go away from that. Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Yeah, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, let's first talk about the uh, the shift group. Is your team looking to hire driven, competitive former athletes? Are you a former college or pro athlete in any sport and trying to figure out what's next? Consider a meaningful career in technology sales and let the shift group guide you every step of the way. The shift group is turning athletes into sales professionals. Reach out to them directly at www.shiftgroup.io or email them directly at jr at shiftgroup.io shift group specializes in helping former athletes unlock the lucrative career of software sales by leveraging their unique characteristics of focus discipline coachability competitiveness and work ethic with a unique one-to-one approach to the entire hiring process with dozens of software companies looking to hire athletes specifically what they do is uh pretty special and uh i know that our boy jr reached out and um you know he's he's gotten a couple um kind of leads through you know people interested from listening to the ranch rink so uh we appreciate uh the listeners uh reaching out to the shift group and it is definitely a great opportunity to kind of pursue you know a career after athletics and you know these guys will help you in every way they can yeah oh awesome Mots, did you see this uh dryden mckay suspension what was your take on that obviously dryden mckay just won the hobie baker um, he violated the U.S. ADA, the United States Anti-Doping Agency's uh, uh, policy, and and he tested positive for Osterine, which you know from reading his quotes and things like that. Did you get a you get a chance to check him out? Yeah, you know it's it. It just seems like a really unfortunate situation. I mean, I 
you know, I, I've been around the kid, and like just, you know, I shook his hand, whatnot. It's not like he's, you know, like this overly, you know, physical. All ripped up like a, he, like a salty bussy. Yeah. So I, I really do feel in this instance that it was like just a mistake that, you know, it was a tainted container. And, you know, some people use that as an excuse sometimes, but he sent it out. It wasn't on the um, label and it, and it came back positive for Osterine. It's like, I just don't think that he would specifically do that for, to try to get a competitive edge. So that's just my take on it. And it, it just stinks because of the you know publicity that he's got for a great career and a great uh, run in the, you know, NCAAs and winning the Hobie Baker. So you're a little bit more high profile, but, you know, I, I think, you know, honesty will come out you know, like he has. He stood in front of it, and that is a character thing as well. Yeah, I mean, I think from what I read, and I uh, like you said, um, I mean, if this kid wasn't in the in the testing protocol for the Olympics type of stuff, which he was there as a, you know, potential um, backup, it's, it's, you know, like he's taken vitamin, uh, I believe it was vitamin D3, and, you know, like – an all natural vitamin thing that Austrian wasn't listed on it. And, you know, from what he was saying, it's like they found like the smallest percentage. It's like, you know, it's basically like you jump into a pool and you had to pee right before and you get a little leftover or something. And like, there's a little, like they test the pool and it's like, Oh, you just peed in it. Like it was a, like a little drip. You know what I mean? Like he got screwed. That's how I looked at it. And you know, again, this doesn't always happen this way where people are trying to get competitive edges and you know, they'll be like, Oh, it was tainted, you know? Right. Um, but uh, he's, you know, again, standing in front of it and he is a good person uh, from everyone that I've talked to. And, um, again, I just met him briefly, but I would kind of err on the side of, of him, you know, telling the truth. And this is just like a, a, a bad, a small little luck. bump in the road. Yeah. Bad luck case. And, um, yeah, but when you see, and it's you know, a six, a six months, like, like wow. yeah, exactly. And it's a six month suspension. Like he'll be, it's not going to affect him next season playing anything like that. No. Right. So, yeah, it's too bad and unfortunate because, like, you know, any kid that's coming out of school, you don't want to be in the headlines and on Twitter. And, you know, then it's just like, you you know, Twitter and Instagram, everything's blowing up. You feel like your world's colliding. So I wish them the best of luck. And, Same. you know, again, the kid's trying to, like, you know, boost his immune system to fight off COVID and all that stuff and this craziness that we're, we've all been dealing with the past couple of years. Um, although it's good to see them uh no more mass on planes right i heard that yeah public transportation my wife's like oh yeah that the no more uh mass and public transportation i'm like when's the last time we've taken public transportation here like we live in the city but <laughs> yeah, she was pumped though <laughs> yeah she was like like oh did you jump on the train recently i didn't know about yeah. <laughs> it's good to see the world coming back here am i right no, absolutely. I mean, that's uh, one thing you get back to some normalcy. It's been creeping its way back, and um, you know, just you get back to the uh, the everyday, you know, grind of just worrying about what you need to do versus all this other stuff that we've had to deal with for the last two years. 
Absolutely. Before we dip into the mailbag, um, I'd like to remind everyone that the TSR team and corporate sales department can outfit your team with the top brands in sports apparel. Ensure that your team looks the best next season by visiting www.tsrhockey.com. You can reach out to their team store directly at 603-912-5970. Ask for Mike or Dave and they'll take care of you. Yep, they'll take care of you, outfit you from head to toe. Head to toe. Uh, I went up and I went to TSR. I got the skates all buzzed up. I had to pick up some t-shirts and things like that. But yeah, I uh, felt good out there. Felt good on the ice before the game. I was like, I usually go with the Sparks machine. And, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to have those guys really give me That's a nice it. fresh edge. Yeah. And they did. And they did. But always good to see those guys, Mike and Brendan, Lee Dean and Dave and all those guys up there. So good stuff. What do you say, Mots? Let's get into it. Sounds good. What is the best way of approaching a kid who has the raw talent but toes the line between being too aggressive for uh, a non-checking age? More or less, second-year peewee defenseman uh, on my team. He has the intensity and passion that you could dream of. It doesn't uh, understand how to harness it. Think of a big puppy uh, jumping on small toddlers. He has good hands, creates a lot of offense while still being responsible on the defensive side of the puck but loses control of uh, his physical play, constant cross-checks, which haven't been called yet, uh, plays the body on the borderline of checking and gets a little too physical while protecting the goalie after the whistle. We talked during the game about dialing down the intensity from a 12 to a 9, um, and I try to break down why I want him to work on on more of a level-headed player. He's a bigger and stronger kid. Um, that's from Ryan. What do you think, Mots? Well, I think you you have a good problem here. Yeah, um, it's like something that you can't teach. You can't tell someone to care. You can't tell someone to be more intense. You can tell them, but innately, if that's in him, dialing it back is much easier than going the other way um, as a coach, in my opinion, or a parent. But, you know, if you can encourage, if he, if he still wants to be physical, it's really checking won't be, he won't get called if he's doing it the right way, like just separating through the hands, if he's going body on body and, you know, someone's not expecting it and stuff like that, that's, you know, he's kind of taking advantage of his size and, you know, his, that, that, that advantage of being physically bigger and stronger. But I like the approach you're taking. Um, dialing it down from a 12 to a nine is a great little, because like he's there and he wants to be the best I'm guessing. And, you just need to just notch it back a little bit, but um, I think you have a good problem on your hands. I just you just stay on them with the positive message. You know, thinking about you know you, you know not injuring other players because they're unexpecting and all this stuff. And it's, you don't want to you don't want to take it away though too much. That's my opinion. Right? Yeah, it's I'd much rather have the problem of like trying to tone a kid down than trying to to raise him up, especially when it comes to body contact and things like that. I think unfortunately if he's a bigger kid you're going to be dealing with those issues for years to come like even when checking first starts at the bantam level uh referees almost still don't know how to call it any big hits and things like that they mm -hmm. they seem to be calling these days uh so like you said focus on you know separating the guy from the puck going through the hands um you know, protecting your goalie, I think, is a is always a great trait to have as a defenseman. But, you know, just make sure it's not the cross-checks to the heads and you're, you're adding, um, 
you know, tacking on extra minutes and things like that. But sometimes there's a, those are good penalties to kill. And I think um, you just got to, you, you, you do have to, you got to be careful because again, once they, they do get into that Bantam level, it's not like all of a sudden it's, you know, when we were younger, I felt like Bantams, it became more of a free for all nowadays. Uh, even watching you 14, 15 uh, USA hockey rules, like they don't, they're still calling penalties on those big hits. And then when they get to the high school level, it becomes like a war zone again. So it's just like a constant battle that you're going to have to fight with, you know, the referees and the kids. And, you know, you might have two referees on one day that are, that are great. And then the next game, the kid could do the same thing, you know, once or twice and get penalties both times for him. So you just got to, you know, continuously work with him, monitor it, you know, make sure he's not playing dirty. There's nothing hit from behind and things like that. But I think, Again, it's 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 a good problem to have is when a kid is aggressive and not a kid that's that's soft as puppy. You know what? Yeah, puppy doo doo. Puppy doo doo. You want to get the next one? Yeah. Uh, played in a spring tournament this weekend with the rule that a kid sits a shift if a coach has to go on the ice to see if he's okay. I forgot to tell some of my coaches about it. Then a kid gets hurt midway through the second period. Our best player and the game is tied. He's lying on the ice, and the assistant coach opens the door and starts to walk on the ice. I start screaming at the top of my lungs to get off the ice and get back to the bench. Parents in the stands think I am a complete lunatic, but I keep screaming his name until he came back on the bench, and I could explain the rule to him. I was in the stands and not on the bench, by the way. Later that night, drinking uh, beer, he says to me, F, I had no idea who was yelling my name and why... I had to get off the ice and couldn't help this kid. His first thought was, is this guy yelling at telling me to get off the ice and screaming at me because I don't have a helmet on? Also, what's your opinion on the rule? I absolutely love it. <laughs> I, I, I love it. So, this is classic. Well, did he? Is is does he own the team? That's what I don't understand. Uh, no, he, is he like the GM, or is he just he, like he just made up this rule and and forgot to tell the coaches? <laughs> so the rule was in his mind, yeah, but it was but, in nobody else's. Yeah, but I I mean I don't know if you listened to our our uh, you know topic on this at another time, but I just feel that you know if he's a parent and he has this you know in his brain that it's the right thing to do and he's just ripping from the stands that's it's pretty funny actually to me because... it's hilarious and the 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 rules you know it, it's a good rule to have but he wasn't a coach he was just in the stand and and he's like right, so i forgot funny. to tell some of my coaches about it like i'm yelling from the stands and <laughs> so it's i i just i don't even I don't so, even get the question kind of no, like, no. so like yeah. he just is like, all right, this is the new rule. He heard us talk about it last week or whenever we did. Right. Which yeah. Well, it was, it was it. really uh, Gallagher's thing where if you have to, if coach has to come on the ice, you set a couple shifts, right. Two, two shifts. And because if you're hurt, then you're really hurt. Then you stay down. That's like, it's really just code. Um, the principle of playing the game. Yeah, you're, and, you're either injured or you're hurt. Right. So, I'm I'm all on board with him letting letting uh, the coach know as long as they you know they're sitting around having a beer and chatting about it and probably having a, a laugh about it but um but you know again to reiterate what we've talked about and it was kind of piggybacking off of uh Brendan Gallagher's quote about Tim Stutzel um 
if you're hurt, and this is what happened when he was younger, if you're hurt and down on the ice and the coach has to come out, you have to sit two shifts, right? So right. it's that that's the that's the rule um, from from him pretty much, and I agree with it, and that's uh, my opinion on it is that that's the way it should be. Yeah. I'm just not sure I agree with the yelling from the stands and you're not a coach and the parents are looking at you like you're a psycho. It's a spring (laughs) tournament. I'm not sure how old these kids are, but like, yeah, it's it's not. not. I love it. Yeah. It's pretty good that you can chat about it. And the coach was just like, what's going on? I I mean, I think moving forward, if – you're going to implement any rules about like what happens on the ice and you're a parent in the stands, you should probably let the coaches know before, (laughs) you know, like, Hey, if I see somebody lying down on the ice and they're not really injured, like I'm going to start screaming at the top of my head to get them off, you know? And it it sounds like he was talking to the kid because he didn't have a helmet on. No, no, it was the dad. Like, Uh Oh, the the coach running on the ice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I thought he was screaming at me because I didn't have a helmet on. He's like, what is going on here? <laughs> Just bizarro. But it was uh, it's all for the right reasons. All for the right reasons. Yeah, that's classic. Uh all right, here's an easy one. My six-year-old wants to wear number 99. I'm an 85, played a little bit, and I couldn't imagine letting him. Wondering your thoughts. Oh, that's a layup on an eight-foot rim, isn't it? Oh, dude. That's like on a baby hoop. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. In With no the colla- cir- collapsible, collapsible backboard. In, under no circumstance do you let your kid win number 99. End of story. End of story. No, at no age, at no point in time, no. Just a right. hard no. Yeah, it's just a hard no. I mean, like, in, you have a respect for the player that wore it. The best, to, you know, I'm going to say one of the best. I think number four is... You know, it, people wear them before, but 99 is just so iconic, right? And it just yeah. it has a statement uh, around it. So, yes, you just you don't want to even um, open that door. Number one for, I don't even know if kids would even give kids hard times now uh, about it, but do the right thing as a parent and don't allow your kid to wear it. Don't even ask the question. Yeah. Don't even ask well, the no, question. Well, no, his kid wants to, he, he wants to wear it, so you just say no. Yeah, just it's just a hard no. Yeah. Yeah. And nice. explain to him a little bit about the history of the game, you know? Right. Yeah. It, it, it is it is uh, an opportunity to open up some conversation about, you know, the the game and, you know, where it uh, you know, who wore it and why it's important not to um kind of mess with that. So that's it's pretty neat stuff. Yeah. All right, you want to read the uh my hockey questions, uh my hockey rankings question of the week? Yeah, I mean, it's a chapter book of a question, but here we go. So there's a few things. It was just like a couple bullet points, and then we'll get into it. So big fan uh, of the pod, learning a lot. Thank you. Mom of a 2009 AAA player, no previous hockey experience, from Southern, Southern Connecticut, wants to know if other regions in the country have the same dynamic. Every AAA slash elite team starts tryouts on the same day which means you have to decide early on which team to try out for, possibly making it to one or two different team tryouts if you move quickly. All right, here's the other bullet point. Every AAA team requires a binding commitment letter and a $1,000 deposit before getting tryout results. 
Hmm. Mm. I don't know if that's that's common, but um, yeah. and then some of these teams may have a double uh, A AA option, which your deposit can apply to, but not all of them do. And I don't want him to play double A if you could play triple A somewhere else. Uh, some some of these teams don't announce results of tryouts until at least a week after the commitments were made, making it difficult to find backup options once all has been concluded. Uh, so how does a family looking for a good team for their play navigate tryouts under these types of circumstances? It is because of is it because the competition for talent in this area is crazy? And how are others doing this? Thanks, Dan. All right, Mott. So let's take it from the uh, from the top here. So O nine Triple A from Connecticut, which is a competitive market. Uh, every team, yeah. I, I mean, I think most most hockey you know areas are doing tryouts basically at the same you know same time, and and that kind of forces your hand to make a decision of what type of program or what program that you're going to go with. You you agree with that? Yeah. 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 Uh, every AAA team requires a binding commitment letter and a thousand dollar deposit before getting tryout results. I, I don't think that that's true. Uh, I know here in the Northeast we do like an early contract um, or commitment to our you know our current players that we want to offer back. So you know in those you know again you you pay for your tryout fees and and it gives you the option of paying the deposit and things like that right away. But at that time, like you've already signed a contract and the tryouts are basically um, they're they they're kind of what's the word I'm looking for? Like you you don't really actually need to even try out because you're already on the team. You already signed a contract with them. Uh, so the the whole thousand dollar deposit before even getting results kind of seems screwed up to me. Yeah, I don't know if that's I, – I don't like that. So if yeah. that's the case uh, with this particular organization, you, I mean, you might want to go elsewhere no matter what. But I, I mean, I, I don't – I've never heard of putting money down before knowing the results. Oh, what team your kid's going to be right. on. exactly. Yeah. So yeah. maybe they're like, just, we'll just get you in the door and see where your kid slots. But I don't think that's a good way to uh, approach things from there. Yeah. On. Yeah, I don't I, – I, I agree. Um, I would, I would kind of fall back on the old, like, you know, having, if the kids in 09, so they're entering first year at Bantams, like have a conversation prior to the tryout. So you have a pretty good understanding of where you're at, um, with the team and what your options are. And if they tell you like, Hey, you just got to show up to tryouts. Maybe it is, uh, you, you do have to show up you know, Monday night, you go to one team, Tuesday or Wednesday, you go to another team just to kind of keep your options open. If you want to play at that AAA level, uh, that, that it, it definitely becomes challenging. Uh, some of these teams don't an- announce results of tryouts until at least a week after the commitments were made. I would disagree with that. I think that most, most of these teams are, hours. yeah, it's what it, it should be within should 24 be, yeah. hours. Yeah. Um, if you made the team, they're going to let you know within 24 hours. Like those teams are picked after the last tryout. Most of the teams are picked after the first tryout. Right. Well, yeah. And maybe one, one or two spots max for the second or third tryout. Right. And I think most, I think, I think, I think most of the coaches, um, and I was talking to a guy recently, like most of the coaches at the younger age groups, when they don't really know the kids will, you know, Hey, 
you know, it's down to you and one or, you know, your son or daughter and one or two other kids, like we'll see what happens by the third night of tryouts or something like that. Uh, like those conversations are, are kind of happening, like ongoing through tryouts. It's not like a week later. Yeah. And I also think that the second and third tryouts are uh, really to fill the lower teams. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh yeah, so uh, how's your family looking for a good team? Trying to, it, it, it's, I mean, it is. It's difficult to navigate that process, and that's where, I, like I said before, I think having those conversations prior to tryouts, and you know, if it's a new program and a new team, you try to get to uh, a skate or two if you can. If it's not breaking any rules, like to to skate with the program or the organization and see with you know what they have what they have for openings and things like that before even the tryouts take place. I know that's how we do it around here, which you know some people would say it's it's a little crazy here, but I think 99% of the time like you you have a really good understanding of what you have um prior to tryouts even even beginning. Yeah, and having you know being assured of a roster spot from you know, a previous team and, you know, with a relationship and a coach, that's, that's important. But I also do feel this is the way how it's, how it goes. And unfortunately there's not many options to kind of get around it other than performance of your kid and, you know, communication with coaches. Right. And they, they they did go on to say, for us, we decided to stay with our son's current club because we were assured that he had a roster spot based on our relationship with the coach and his performance on that team rather than risking rather than risk committing to another team in which we wouldn't know the tryout outcome. We were happy with his choice, but honestly, I do feel like our hands were tied regardless, and I keep wondering if there were some other ways we could have navigated this tryout season. Uh, so... Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately, like, the grass always isn't greener. Um, you know, if you're comfortable there, it's a pretty good situation. Um, you know, the these rules are probably put in place so that you, there's not uh, a lot of program jumpers, right? Right. Yeah, no, it's it's done pretty strategically, probably from the top down, you know, like what nights are going to be had for tryouts. And, you know, if you get some people before tryouts and get them there and, you can uh, kind of retain them, then that's probably the goal. But, you know, getting one tryout and then someone going and jump into another one, that's on the that's on the family. But I think it's done strategically from from these clubs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Mots, did you see this in the news? And we can we can beat this up a little bit before we get to the to next mailbag question. But Al Zabotka, which I mean, talk about like a Midwestern type of name, right? Like you can just picture the mustache on this guy and, you know, definitely bald and stuff like that. But Al Zabotka suing uh, the Detroit Red Wings on the basis of uh, discrimination due to his age and disability. According to the lawsuit, Zabotka had been diagnosed with a benign prostate uh hypertrophy did i say that wrong probably Hyper, not hypertrophy <laughs> hypertrophy yeah. uh which caused a frequent and uncro- uncontrollable need to urinate on february 2nd sabotka drove one of the zamboni machines into its garage at the little Caesars arena after cleaning the ice at the main rink sabotka according to the lawsuit experienced an uncontrollable urge to urinate we've all been there uh, the nearest facility was 60 to 70 feet away, so instead Zabotka used one of the drains that led into a sewer des- designed to handle the ice runoff from the Zamboni machines. The area is closed to the public, 
and the access is limited to all the all-males uh, ice crew. Zabotka was urinating between the two Zambonis when he was seen by a male employee. Two days later, Zabotka was called into a meeting with the supervisor and a human resources represent, re, uh, representative. Initially suspended for a, for a week, Zabotka was terminated February 17th. Oh, poor Al. I mean, he's been there for a while, right? He's just been you know, just driving, grinding on the bus. Driving the Zamboni. Loves what he does, I'm guessing. I mean, I just, you know, this... Uh, benign you know situation it's i mean like, it, you can't <laughs> the see trophy yeah that's <laughs> so good I, I mean it's just one of these things that you know he has a medical condition you know he's being discriminated against i get you know where where they're coming from but who's the male employee who rats him out like i want to know his name <laughs> i'm like come on dude like if anything if you're offended it's like Maybe go have a conversation with the guy, right? But, like, come on. Poor yeah, Al's just got to take it. I mean, he's got a hose. Yeah. He, like, he, he's doing it in a, a private place. I mean, we've all been there. Like, you can't make it to the bathroom. You're just, like, whatever. Like, as long as you're not, you're not out in public. Like, it, it's not like that's, that's like, crap water. That's, like, the ice, the Zamboni <laughs> water. Like, like, it's not like you're, like, drinking it. No, no, I just, I don't understand. Uh, I just think that's hypersensitive uh, to, you know, if he does have this condition and this, these are the facts of the case. We're only hearing this from his side, but um, yeah, I, I think it's all over the top. Uh, maybe he wasn't cutting the ice very well though, too. Like, so it was an excuse to fire him. Yeah. Well, maybe that's what will come up, but yeah. Well, hey, stay tuned. Stay tuned. We're, we're, we're gonna be. We're gonna Al be on the vodka. We're gonna be on this story. Yeah. <laughs> Inside edition over here. Inside edition. <laughs> Poor Al coffee. just needed a hose. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, oh man. I mean. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, but I, I mean, you look, gotta look, go. You gotta go, though. I mean, I feel bad for poor old Al. Yeah, like I mean. You know, personally, it, it is funny. Like, uh, you know, when the urge starts coming now, like I, I gotta go. So yeah. I can't imagine, you know, having, you know, a little, uh, little situation there that he has. So uh, accelerating his his urge. So, but all right, m- moving on from now. <laughs> uh, all right, so we got a new hockey mom here from Cali. Uh, but more importantly, I am a mom to three boys who I have a responsibility to raise a respectful gentleman and allies. To women, my 2009 is going into Bantams next year, and we'll start checking. He has told me if there was a girl on the ice playing against his team, he refused to hit her. Of course, my feminine side says, better damn well treat her the same as you would any other player on the ice. But then he told me that he was told never to hit girls. This year, my son's team plays in a league where there is an all-girl team. His team, which only has one girl, plays a completely different game versus this all-girl team. His team won't initiate the contact. It's always the girls that will start it. I don't like seeing this different game where they're trying to be gentle. I would like your advice on how to have this conversation. Great question. Yeah, it's a great question. It's a tough question. Um, and I think, honest, you know, the best answer could be probably given by um, – 
female hockey player, right. That, that went through this and played and, and, you know, I know in talking to, um, Casey Bellamy and Megan Duggan, those girls, like when they were on the ice, they didn't want to be treated any differently than the boys did. Like mm-hmm. they, they, they played hard and they played physical. And I've talked about my experiences playing those women's Olympic teams, uh, when they were gearing up to, to, to play, uh, and they played hard and they played physical and they didn't want, you know, they didn't want us to go lightly on them and things like that. Uh, I also think that, you know, most girls, by the time that they hit the Bantam and the checking age group, um, have made that transition. And we've talked about it before to, you know, playing girl, um, you know, girls only hockey, right? Like the, the, it's difficult to, you know, some of the, the, the boys when they get to Bantams are bigger, stronger, and, and they're just more developed and that, that it's increased, um, opportunity for the, for the, you know, these young girls to potentially get hurt. I know, you know, this past year at the Pee Wee major level, we, um, you know, had a girl on our team who was a, a really, really good player. And I think that in having conversations with her dad, I, you know, I asked him, I said, would she want to come back and play Bantams? And he was like, I, you know, I, I, I could just never put myself in the position, uh, as a parent to potentially, you know, let her get, get injured or potentially get a concussion or, or something like that. Um, kind of a life altering injury playing with the, with the boys team. So it's, 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 it's definitely a tough, tough one. I mean, you're, you're, a, you're a girl dad. What do you think? <clears throat> I think that if the girls are going to be out there and checking, they should be play They should be played as any other player. Mm-hmm. Um, but just from reading this again, uh, so they're going into Bantams next year, but this year is the team that was all girls. I would venture a guess that an all girls team will not be in Bantams. I would guess. I, I, you know, I just, I think that would be the right thing to do. Like not to, you know, maybe make that transition over to an all girls uh, team. If there's availability, Um, because it just poses this, exact problem i mean there's going to be bigger stronger boys that will play the game differently and that's unfair for the girls number one and it's unfair for the boys it's just like not a it's um, a lose lose yeah and i don't think that you can all right you really can't win either way like if you just bury someone you know and she's she gets hurt like 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 this is like it's it's a lose lose so I, the only advice that I would say, if there are girls out there that are in the bantam level and at a checking, you know, in the checking situation, then you have to play them like a player that would be any other player. Right. Yeah. I think that, you know, you don't take the other, you know, extra, you know, liberties at all. You just play, you separate the player from the pocket, boy or girl. Right. Right. Uh, well, we got another one here that, that just to piggyback on that 99 question, do you think in the future, um, you know, kids are going to be allowed to wear number 97? Mm, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it'll time will tell, but I think that, you know, these cool numbers are, you know, there's this other players, no other player wore 99, you know, there's some other 97s out there. Right. Um, you know, Caprice off uh, McDavid. Mm-hmm. You know, I know you're talking about McDavid, but 
I just think that you know Gretzky kind of rewrote the history books or wrote them in particular, right? And um, you know he changed the game and like just how high of a level he played, you know, hockey IQ, his skill, like everything that he brought to the game. McDavid does, um, but I just don't know if. I mean, he's a gener- generational player as well, but I just think Gretzky kind of came along and, you know, really opened eyes on how kind of like much of an art it was for him to have the puck and make plays and make these cool. Like, it was, he was just a, a special player. And I, I'm not taking anything away from McDavid because we're actually. Yeah, watching. we're watching it now, but he's also like like also when you you talk about the growth of the game and and what he did for it and you know moving uh you know influencing the like LA and those southern markets and mm-hmm. you know there wouldn't be these teams nowadays in California and uh Arizona and Texas and Florida like these non-traditional hockey markets and and everything that he did for it. I think like you said there's been players you know like nobody's Nobody's ever going to win 99 again. Um, 97, it's like you look at Kaprizov, like you said, is already wearing. I'm sure there's some, there's probably some other guys within the league. We just can't think of them right now. And it's, yeah, I don't think so. I think it's, 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 it's a 99 thing. Yeah. I mean, it's up for debate, but I just, I remember, I don't know if I told this story yet, but, um, you know, uh, Matt Gilroy played at BU, played for the Rangers, yep. played for a couple other teams. Um, I was with him in Florida. We were down in San Antonio. And my son Ryan came down my last weekend of pro hockey. And Matt Gilroy wore 97. And it was because he wore nine. His brother wore seven. His son, his his brother tragically died uh, in an accident when they were younger. So he combined the, the numbers. And he was really sweet to my son. And my son comes back and he wants to wear 97 because of Matt Gilroy. You know, I'm like, that's so great, you know. And then McDavid comes into the league. I'm like, dude, you can't win 97 anymore. Sorry, I love Matt, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I love Gilly, but I can't. Uh, you can't have you running around. It would be like wearing 99 on some level. So, but right. whatever. I mean, yeah, see, uh, <laughs> it, it, we'll see. Where but he... it's like, are people going to be allowed to wear number eight? Like when if Ovechkin beats Gretzky's record? Yeah, I, I just think like the traditional, like I, for some reason, it's just. It's a great conversation. We could probably have like 12 beers over this. Yeah. <laughs> At least. Uh-huh. At least. Uh, all right. Well, this mailbag is brought to you by Morgan Stanley. For over 28 years, the Kelleher, Kelleher Corbett Group has been a trusted advisor to individuals, families, and businesses and nonprofit organizations. They provide clients with the so- scope, scale, and oversight of a global financial services firm coupled with the independence, objectivity, and service capabilities of a boutique, advisory, and consulting group. Give them a call at 781-681-4949 or visit their website at morganstanley.com slash backslash the Kelleher Corbett Group. Yeah, and as far as that goes, these go uh, hand-in-hand, cross-country mortgage. If you own a home, he haven't looked into refinancing in a while. I'll have a quick chat with our friend Chris Devon and see if it makes sense for you. Devo may be able to help you save on a monthly basis so you can put more money into savings or other projects. Check him out at chrisdevon.com. Now let's get back to the questions. 
Let's get back to the question. Make sure you give them a follow on uh, Chris Devin CCM on uh, on Instagram, and uh, he's got that Derby party coming up. I believe that's on uh, May seventh. Is that when the Derby is? Yeah, I believe that's the yes. Yeah, yeah. So hit him up, and uh, all those things are going to um, you know some great charities and stuff like that. So it should be a good bash with Devo and the crew down there. Hopefully, we can make it. Uh, next question here. My 2011 daughter started 6 a.m. practices that are weekly. She feels lightheaded about 30 minutes in and vomited the last two times. Ooh. Uh, we have experimented with food and hydration, but it doesn't seem to matter. She also plays travel soccer and is a solid athlete that has never had a problem previously, often playing back-to-back games. Do we continue with these early a.m. practices? Fantastic coaching and uh, ratio. Or switch to a clinic, which isn't as valuable coaching-wise, but it's after school. Please help. Help uh, me. Help me. That, that's a tough one. I um, I mean, I don't know about the the vomiting and the lightheadedness. That's like that's that could be real though. You know, you don't want to put your uh, daughter in harm's way. And I don't know if the six a.m. practice is the the reason behind it um yeah it sounds to me like it's like a like a private lesson type thing like that yeah but i just don't i just don't think just waking up and getting there and you know i don't think that's the lightheaded you know that shouldn't be causing the lightheaded and the vomiting so i mean i just i think with from what you're saying you know playing soccer and being extremely active i think rest it would be one of the biggest things that you you could you know, point to immediately to, uh, to try and, you know, see if that eliminates that, you know, those symptoms, um, you know, the food and hydration is extremely important too. It's just, it's difficult because, you know, if you just overrun a little bit you know, there could be just a lack of, you know, energy and she's probably pushing as hard as she can to be the best if she's a motivated, motivated athlete, athlete, like you say. So, um, I would just say I wouldn't give up on that if you enjoy the coaching and the ratio for, to players to coaches. Um, I wouldn't give up on it and um, you know, just see where it can go after getting a little bit more rest. Yeah, I think it's you know 2011, so they're you know 10, 11 years old. It's difficult, but I mean, I know as you get older, right, you start to kind of understand your body and things like that. I know for me getting up early, like, or if if I was in the situation, like I would, I would try getting up a little bit earlier, like maybe, you know, whatever, having something to eat, having a smoothie, getting some water in you instead of like, you know, it's, it, it which is really difficult to, to ask, right. When you're already asking to get up at 6am, but maybe instead of getting up at five, you wake up at 445 and, you know, you, you, you get something to eat at your house and you use the bathroom and things like that. I know that works for me, uh, getting up, you know, if I know I got to be somewhere bright and early in the morning, I try to get up a little bit earlier because I don't like to, I don't like to go out with a full stomach and things like that. You know what I mean? I'm no nutritionist, but it's, you know, you kind of like have to start to understand your body and, and, and things like that. And, you know, maybe just giving yourself a little bit more time and not rushing, um, which is, like I said, it, it's not easy to do. Um, and maybe if it doesn't work, you know, if it's, if early mornings on a, on a thing for you, then maybe you got to go different options. You know what I mean? So I'll talk to my nutritionist when I start running, you know, this marathon training, you know what I mean? Yeah. We'll get back. 
But yeah, I, I don't. I I wouldn't see any problem with just you know, sticking with it. See, you just don't want to put your daughter in harm's way, like I said. But if that is the cause of it, then you want to you know look at uh, another option, like after after school or you know sometime in the early evening or whatever. But uh, I would say stick with it if you like the coaching and she doesn't mind getting up. That's the one thing. Mm-hmm. It's like and maybe like, and maybe just some minor adjustments, right? What's yeah. getting up 10, 15 minutes earlier or something like that, right? Right. I don't know. I don't know. It's tough. Yeah. So it kind of reminds me that Coach Snedden, uh, yep. quote Kevin that we, Snedden. Yeah. That we, we talked about. He said hockey is 90% mental, but most players focus on their physical body 98% of the time and only 2% of their time on the mental side of their game slash life. Yeah, I mean, Kevin Snedded, obviously, he's a you know, former coach at, at at UVM. I think he was a player at Harvard back in his day, was a was a great player. And, uh, I mean, it's a great quote. And, and, you know, this is maybe, you know, just to get back to that, maybe this is something that's a little bit of a mental crutch, right? It's that early morning practice. And, you know, maybe it's something you just got to fight and kind of work through. But, yeah, I think it's it, – it, it's – an interesting stat, right? Um, I wonder what the the actual scientific data is for that. But yeah, I mean, I think everybody likes to work on their physical skills and their stick handling, the shooting, their off ice workouts, things like that. And they don't do a ton on the mental side of the game, which, you know, it, it is hockey's a, um, you know, being able to deal with adversities and things like that. And, and focusing on the mental side of things is, is very, very important as a hockey player. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, getting yourself correct because you can only control yourself, right? So whether it be physical skills, but if that mental side is elite and let's say like better than the next player, you're going to be a better player in certain situations. And you know, over the course of your development, you'll you will win out. Uh, like that mental toughness, like you said, dealing with adversity and just fighting through certain things because it's not easy and. There's a lot of times where you see, you know, weak mental toughness and they never have success, right? A hundred percent. So that's that's a pretty cool quote to just kind of, you know, throw in there to for a little reminder. And, um, you know, it's not easy to do. I mean, there's no like real roadmap, but like if you can work on your mental uh, state, uh, not just hockey or athletics, but life in general. And you're a stronger person between the years. You're going to be better in anything you do. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right. Thanks for all the great advice guys at our current club. We had a good experience with the U 12 girls and it offers a U 14 girls team. We wanted to stay with the program, but after tryouts and a month later, still no full-time goalie and barely 10 skaters. Any advice, on how to get out of a bad situation, not likely uh, to get better. Thank you. And that's a tough, tough bounce there. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) tough bounce. It's tough. No, seriously, because like the, you know, I'm experiencing it with, you know, I coached my son and then the girls is different. It's kind of like old school time where you have the two years of, you know, the younger girls and the older girls and, so you have two years at a certain age level. So sometimes, you know, there's more turnover, um, whether it be, say, graduating players or players moving on to another program or whatnot. But that's on the organization to, you know, make sure there's there's ample players to choose from so then you, you don't get stuck 
with a no full-time goalie situation. That's brutal. I'm sorry. Um, you know, yeah, skaters, at that age. Yeah. 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 I mean, 10 skaters. I mean, you can't complain to the coach about ice time if that's the, the, the case, but you want to have a, a full complement of players and have practices. And um, so that that's, that's a tough, tough um, kind of spot to be in because if you had that, that good experience and then you go in thinking you're going to have a similar one and it's, completely different that's uh too it's like disappointing more than anything but i don't know i I think you just should stay on the organization to fill that spot for a full-time goaltender and uh supplement the roster so that there's a full complement of girls yeah i mean it's like you said it's on the organization it's on the coaches right like you've got to knowing there's that uh multi-year like it's not just one individual i mean you can't have a, a a u14 team with no goalie or no full-time no, goalie no, like that, that that's it's garbage it's not like so, you pass in the pads at that age no you can't be and i would talk to the organization and and work on if you did sign a contract trying to get a release so that you could go elsewhere and make sure that there's a full complement to plays players on that other team because the, the the coaches clearly um in the organization aren't doing their their homework and their due diligence behind the scene leading up to tryouts to make sure that they have that full roster going into it um for both the you know the U14 one team and also the two team because it's if your your daughter's really into it and into the game like nobody you can't play at that U14 level with uh with 10 skaters and 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 no goalie for that matter like that's just it ain't going to work it's no. not going to work it's not going to work um so word up this is word Nikki up P. Nikki P from Pitt again <laughs> Hope all is well, boys. Two questions. My son is 62 pounds going into his first squirt season. Get him on the HGH, Nikki. (laughs) Does skate sharpening really matter from half inch to three uh, to five eighths? And also, does it really make a difference from the elite skates, most expensive to the lower tier for performance skates at that level? Thanks. Like always, Mr. Papaya. (laughs) Word up. I love it. Uh, Word out from Nikki P. Nikki P. from Pitt. Uh, Nikki P., I honestly couldn't tell you the difference between a half inch and five eighths. I, I have no idea. Uh, I was always just of the mindset to just get my skates done. Uh, the the kid's 62 pounds. Like you can, you know, we've talked about it before. Like if you don't have an edge on your skate, it, you know, you'll know, you'll see your, your, yourself falling and things like that. But I don't know the the difference in the cut. I just never really paid too much of attention to it. I again, like we just talked about the mental side of things. I think a lot of times um, kids that have issues during games and things like that from their skates not being sharp and a mental midgets, and it's something that you like if you lean on and you know cause it to be a crutch is only just going to hurt you. So. I always, you know, and we could we, we could talk to the guys at TSI Hockey about this because they are probably the professionals. But um, when it comes to skate shopping and things like that, but I don't, I've never, I don't know. What what did what did you do your skates? I mean, I never knew anything about this until pro. So yeah, um, and I still didn't even care. But right, uh, I, I used I, to like say to the like like my. You know, before game days at like prep school and, you know, where, where we had sharpeners and then also in college, like I would just always ask the the we would like leave our skates by the door or in our stall or wherever it was. 
uh, or in the skate bag and have the, the, the equipment manager do our skates. But I never once talked to him about what, you know, what radius or, or anything like that, or is that what it's called? A radius, a um, a hollow to, to cut my skates. It was just like doing half the times they probably didn't even do them. Or maybe they did it like one time, you know what I mean? It was just more of like, Hey, yeah, just do my skates. Like I, I liked them to know that, that, that they were done before the game. Um, but it, I, I wouldn't yeah, get so, too concerned about it. No, I, I, you know, so to answer your question, really, I don't think it really matters at 62 pounds. Um, the only thing is, you know, that hollow is like, I knew a little bit about it because we played on softer ice and NHL ranks. And if I, my skates were really sharper, they had a deep hollow. I would dig in a little bit more and I just didn't like it. You know, that was just personal preference. Um, I don't think your son has personal preference right now. I, I, you really don't. I don't think you can go wrong, and you can overthink this stuff. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about it um, as far Definitely as not. what hollow to, to sharpen your your son skates at. Uh, and as far as the elite skates versus the, oh yeah, that was a good one. It's, you know what, um, there is a, a drop off after a certain point in my opinion. So like the lower, lower tier skates versus like the, there's like a mid and then the, you know, extremely expensive elite skates, if you want to call them that. Um, but I think, you know, those like beginner lower tier skates, you don't, I mean, if your son's going to be skating quite a bit and at a competitive level, you don't want those. You can get away with the middle level. Um, you don't, you don't have to be paying top of the line to get quality. It might break down a little bit more, but at 62 pounds, he's not putting a lot of stress on it either um, on the boot. So I don't think you need to do the elite skates if, you know, it's not part of the budget. But, um, you know, th- there is the quality drop off as it does go down. Um, yeah, just- I think I think, you 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 know, great, great question. I think the middle of the road and I've talked to Brendan Sheehy about this up at TSI. Like, I think ideally if i was a uh, um as a parent like i would look to give me last season's high-end skate like the following year mm-hmm. right because you probably get at a discount and things like that like there's not that much of a change yeah. you know what i mean but i think like you said you can get away with kind of that middle of the road if there's the abc skate like you could you you know focus just get the b ones like there's not that much of a difference especially at a at you know the squirt level where your kid's 62 pounds and things like that it's not it's not that much of a of a difference um you look at some of the skates and things like that that even the pros wear like it's all like your own um your own personal preference right like look at you that the you're still wearing skates from like the 70s you know what i mean you got the rawlings <laughs> going on the rallies going on up there you know what i mean so but the yeah, it's, it, I don't think you need to overextend and spend too, too much money. I know that, you know, with my kids, I, I, I try to just go kind of right in the middle of the road, not the bottom of the barrel. The You know, you're not going to get the $100 skates, but if you can get away with, you know, if there's a hundred and, you know, $100, $300, $500, I think I, I would I would go for the, the $300, that the kind of middle of the road, like you said. Yeah, and I think that the skates themselves are getting stiffer and stiffer, so that middle of the road is still going to be a, a quality skate. And, you know, if you can, and he's going to grow out of them so quick anyways. Yeah, I know. That's the thing. It's so nuts. And I, uh, I, yeah. So I, th- that say last year's model, you know, I mean, it's, the kids are kind of into like that 
cutting edge stuff all the time but if you just tell them that this is you know what the oh, these are set, the new ones yeah 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 exactly yeah, yeah. these are these all are, set. these are good <laughs> these are the new ones <laughs> oh these ones are sick yeah P- appreciate they're, you checking they're, in they're Nikki the new P. old ones they're the new old ones mm-hmm. uh yeah no hey yeah Nikki p from pit word up thanks again for checking in good questions great questions from Nikki p but um that mailbag was brought to you by franklin street hockey the official ball and street hockey partner of the national hockey league street hockey season is back head to franklinsports.com to stock up on training goals pucks and more yeah street hockey season is here my kids are playing in a a couple little leagues they got the mayor's cup this weekend uh one of my kids is playing in so looking forward to that always fun um ripping some clappers with those street hockey balls from Franklin. Uh, and Skitscott is the new video-based social media platform that allows users to use augmented reality filters, picture-in-picture, layered audio, and more that is only found in costly movie production rooms. Skitscott does not share, trade, or sell the personal information of its users. Um, get your skitty on. Get your skitty on. Mots, did you see that clip, uh, Boys or Men? I did, yeah. What'd you think about it? I think it's hilarious. It's just it like, is hilarious. Just, come on, guy boys. was all all rattled. He, no, but he was just completely serious. Oh yeah, like that was like straight they're up. Men. It, they're men. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, we talk about like she, she's just. Was, he fan. was from he was from Tampa, right? Yeah, it was it was just it's just funny though. I mean, it's so, funny, but also like pretty serious. So. He's dead serious, and and I mean that donkey he should probably like if you look into a tunnel before every game i mean how many times do hockey players be like let's go boys let's go boys like it it they call themselves boys the whole the whole game yeah but high school come on men they're ready uh, high school athletic schedules boys college athletic schedules men they're men so you're a men guy (laughs) i don't really care but uh, I will say it was it was a uh, good entertainment. Yeah. What about um, Macklemore and Marshawn Lynch, the newest investors in the uh, Seattle crack? And uh, did you see Marshawn Lynch doing donuts on the ice? <laughs> unbelievable. That was unbelievable. A, a, a shiny grill going. Yeah. You know, d- doing some donuts, but I, I was worried that he was going to crash a little bit. I've never driven a Zamboni, by the way. I've like backed like yeah I'm I'm petrified. It was one of that was one of those things when I worked in the hockey rink business. It was like the the more you know, the more responsibility you could potentially have, right? It's like yeah, you're like oh, I can't I can't drive that. Yeah, thing. like no, I have no idea because it's like next thing you know, it's you know the Zamboni driver bangs in sick on a Saturday morning at five a.m. and you're the yeah, one they, driving the bus. You know what I mean? So I'm like I'm all set. Yeah um well i think so it's yeah crazy. i'm the same way i have no idea how to, to how to ride one but I, i'm pretty sure in my I, I like i said i've I've ridden it like a very very little amount there's no way i was going anywhere near the boards right yeah but i have seen some of the rocket scientists that you do have driving zambonis and rinks <laughs> and i can imagine that we could back it up <laughs> Uh, Uh, he's the he's the fastest zamboni driver in history because he's got a hose every eight minutes (laughs) oh man uh but as far as mackle malcolm and uh marshawn lynch being getting involved i love it 
You know, yeah, it is good for the game. And it really is. You know, like they're um, local to Seattle, and having you know an impact on that team and that community is uh, is, is great. No, that's awesome. Good stuff. Mots, we did. I mean, this is in in kind of like historic times here in Boston. BC and BU currently without uh, head coaches for their their college men's team. Uh, what do you <laughs> the men's college hockey teams, uh, not boys, but what uh, what do you think? Like, who's going to get these jobs? Oh, I I mean, it's like you said, it is unprecedented because it's such like a long history of long tenured coaches. You know, BU had some turnover in the last little bit, but. Prior to that, Jack Parker was there for an extended period of time. That so when you do see these jobs pop up, you know, there's it's it's they're coveted jobs for sure. Um, I think there's going to be some really great uh, candidates on both sides. Um, I don't know the details of much, but I I do know if if David Quinn is available, I'm sure BU would be interested in having him back. Our boy Jay Pandolfo is primed and ready to go. Um, you know, there could be some dark horses out there that, you know, we don't know about. Um, but on the BC side, there's Mike Cavanaugh, who's down at UConn, has done an unbelievable job. Greg Brown getting uh, head coaching um, experience out in the USHL after being an HL head, uh, assistant coach. Assistant, yeah. And then Mark Dennehy, um, former you know, coach at Merrimack and has been in the game and coached at uh, the AHL level and doing, you know, play development for the Devils. Then you have Brendan Buckley, who's the assistant coach uh, right now, and Mike Ayers. I, I mean, th- oh, there's a lot of options, and I don't know if there's, you know, the search committees and there's going to be interview processes uh, that go on, but, you know, there's a lot of great candidates for both of these uh, school so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out we have personal relationships with a lot of them so it's um it'll be interesting because you know you want both programs to be doing very well even though you know bu is a rival of bc vice versa um you want them both at the top of their game so it is uh you know where college hockey you know gets that rivalry you want them both being you know, very good and successful. So the next coaches will have that responsibility to, to get those teams back to where they, they need to be. No, and I, I watched some of Yorkie's uh, press conference and it was, you know, it was cool and see the support and, and things like that. And uh, these guys, uh, I mean, I think number one, and this is my take on it, my hot take, I think both of these schools, you have to be an alumni to be the head coach. I think like they, they, right. Like it, it, I don't think they're bringing in somebody from outside that they're kind of, um, you know, outside, like that, that there's not going to be a, a guy coming from Minnesota to come coach at BC or BU. Would you agree with that? Yeah. And the only say outlier is Mike Cavanaugh, who was there for a long time before going to UConn. Right. But a BU guy, like, I, you know, if I had to put money on it, uh, like you said, a lot of relationships with them and, 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 and those type of people. I mean, I think everybody's always 
look towards Jay Pandolfo as the next um, head coach at BU. I, you know, I think he's a great person and would do uh, a great job with that program. And, and, you know, David Quinn was already there. So if he's interested, you just don't know, right. It like, yeah. you know, maybe they, they do go back to him and Pando stays on as a associate head coach or whatever it is. Um, and then the BU thing, it's, it, it's all new. Cause like you said, you just, you named there's so many great candidates with Brownie and, and, you know, Obviously, Buck's been there for a while. He's a BC guy, and and Mark Dennehy, you know, is a tremendous coach and did an unbelievable job at Merrimack. Um, and there's yeah, there's there's so many like good hockey people in the mix. So it's it's kind of interesting. It'll be an interesting story to kind of track and follow and and see where it all plays out. Because uh, I think, but but my whole thing is, I think it, I think it's gonna be an alumni at both places. I think that's it, just. I think it's just one of those things, right, where it's there's just the tradition and the history of being kind of a BU guy or a BC guy. And, you know, I know at UNH it was the same way, like when, when you know, they were going through their hiring process. When Humili left, I think, you know, we, everybody always said, like, uh, it's going to be a UNH guy. You know what I mean? It's, a, it, it, you know, who are the UNH guys that are that are in the mix, right? So that are currently coaching or coaching at the professional or college level. So yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting. And you know, who knows what's going to end up happening, but I wish some of this, a lot of good candidates to choose from. That's for sure. Yeah, no, I got, uh, you know, like you, you mentioned and I, I kind of referenced, but a lot of good people, good candidates, and we'll see how this uh, unfolds, you know, see it'll be, how it uh, shakes out. Yeah. Shake it out. Shake it out. Well, all right, Mots. Well, uh, Anything else up? I think that's. I think that pretty much wrapped up wraps up the mailbag. Yeah, good mailbag. A lot of great questions, and so that's one of the things that we love to. Uh, you know, sometimes there we have to squish them down from you know the uh, the novels that get sent in. But I know <laughs> people want to give the backstory and and really kind of give some color on what their situation is. But we appreciate all the great questions, and remember to fill up the mailbag uh, for next time as well. Yeah, no, keep those questions rolling in uh, as as much as you can kind of trim the fat. Um, you know, people don't want to listen to us reading for, for that much, uh, for, for those long stories, that's for sure. But they, you know, they're, they're great question, questions. We love the engagement and, and, you know, hopefully we can help you out. There's not always perfect answers, but keep rolling them in. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening and, and time to cue the ring shrink shuffle. What do you say, Jersey? Jersey.